Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. James, say hi. Hey. Hey. And we are joined by Nate Harris. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? How's it going? Nice to finally uh, sit down and talk and, and banter a little bit. Yeah, we're all about the banter. Yeah, this has been Let's a long time coming. Um, we started talking with your, uh, your bullpen talk. Uh, yeah, yeah. How hard is it to do a podcast? You know, if you have, so I, th- I think the first thing that's really hard for people to do and what was really hard for me was to just like start it, just do it. You know, I had these big plans of what I wanted to do and I wanted to do it right, right off the bat, but you really like the hardest part is just getting it started. So once you get that first guest and you start going right away, it kind of flows, you find out the little tips and tricks along the way that I'm sure you guys have figured out between the audio and the equipment and just getting people lined up on different schedules, but it's, it's really fun. It's becoming a really good uh, passion of mine. Yeah, we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, not a clue. Yeah, Not a clue. We, we were just yeah. struggling with headphones and microphones before this and yeah. finally set it up. But it's, it's not as easy as people think, though, either. Like, there was a it's learning curve. Not. Like, I am very thankful with our one sponsor, Anchor. But, like, this is just the platform yeah. they do. And they do make it super easy because going through yeah. the weeds, like, all right, how do I put this on that feed and connect it here and there? It's absolutely insane. No, I use, I use anchor too for my podcasting and like editing, like learning how to edit. It sucks. Like that is the worst part of it. I wish it would just come out clean right when you hit record and right when you hit finish. Yes. <laughs> editing. Yeah. It is more time consuming than you imagine. I saw this exactly. tweet. It was like, how to make passive income in your spare time. Here's 20 things. And all of them were super unrealistic. And one of them was doing a podcast. And uh-huh. I, was like, I was like, no, it's not. It's not passive. <laughs> exactly. yep. it, it, yeah, I'm not. I didn't get the memo on that one. No, it is not an income thing. And it is more for definitely fun. So exactly. Your bullpen talk, it is fantastic. A lot of uh, Rockies players. We have, I guess, one degree separation. Taylor Snyder. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was really our second guy that we talked to and absolutely loved him. And he's really kind of helped us. We drop his name, you know, we drop his yeah. name a little bit and use that yeah. to connect with players. So I love that guy. He's fantastic. He's doing, he's doing okay. in Albuquerque right now. Sure. So yeah. Um, and then I'm going yeah, to take it pretty much. Sorry. Go ahead. You're, no, you're good. I was going to say pretty much all my guys I've had on are, are the guys that I'm closest with right now. The guys who I've gotten to know over my time with the Rockies the five years I had with them and so some really good guys Snide's a really good guy he's got an awesome story Lucas Gilbreth has another awesome story so yeah it's, it's been fun it's been fun getting like the guys who I've gotten to know and make good relationships with get their stories out there so people can hear them yeah like we are kind of doing the same thing but in yeah. different in different ways like we are coming more from a fan and you're coming for more from a friend teammate so for sure I like I found that very interesting listening to the Snyder conversation because that was yeah. he had the same stories, but he gave you a little bit more just because you know <laughs> he had the yeah. friendship and stuff there. And it was yeah, it's just cool. So bullpen talk, sure. you can find it on all the platforms. I'll plug it for you. It's I it's a good that. one. It's a good one. Yeah. Um thank you. And I'm gonna pull one out of your your playbook. So okay. tell us where you're from. How old are you? Where you grew up? 
what was your upbringing through high school like yeah that's how I start all mine because I, I I'm horrible with intros so but yeah um I'm from San Antonio that's where I'm at right now I grew up here in San Antonio Texas went to Churchill High School um, I'm 27 years old I started off my college baseball career at uh, Hill Junior College I was there for three years I redshirted my first year um, and then I transferred to Louisiana Tech and then I got drafted in the 21st round by the Rocks in 2017, and I just recently retired this past year in 2022. Uh, what was, I guess, what was that playing at Hill College like, playing at that JUCO? Pretty much every stereotype that you think of junior <laughs> college baseball, everything you get is spot on. It's, it's gritty. There's no rules. It's long, grueling days. It's, I mean, there's at the beginning of the fall, it's like 60, 70 guys competing for 25 roster spots. So, I mean, it's a lot of competition. Um, the days are super, super long. The school, the school is fairly easy to balance, but I mean, it's, you know, it, it is honestly what it's made out to be, what everybody hears about junior college. So, so how'd you, how'd you land on, on Louisiana Tech? What was that process like? Yeah, so I was, a, my, my whole career and my story is kind of about slow starts and kind of blossoming a little late. So um, I had a really, I, I, was, I was young coming into college. I went into college at 17. I started school way back when, when I was super, like a year younger than most kids start. So I was young, I was underdeveloped. I didn't throw hard. They decided to redshirt me. Um, and I kind of grew into my own a little bit. And by that second year came around, uh, my coaches moved me into the rotation. I had a really good fall. And uh, Louisiana Tech saw me at Dallas Baptist at a little tournament they were, they were putting on. And uh, they made me a really good offer um, that I couldn't turn down and, and risk losing. So I committed pretty early to them. Um, I got re recruited by Rick McCarty. And it was just, a, it was honestly just perfect fit right from the get-go. What was it that kind of clicked for you? Was it um, were you just throwing harder? Were you striking guys out more? I mean, was it just you're getting more weak contact, all of the above? Um, you know, I so I've never been a guy who throws hard. I've, I was always an upper 80s. I touched 92 once, but nice. I would say I sat. Yeah, I know. Not, <laughs> not, not very, not nothing impressive, but I always had the slider in my back pocket. I've always really been able to spin it. And so, um, and also, I've always been better in a starter's role. So my first year, my redshirt freshman year, they had me coming out of the pen. And once I showed that I could I could start, that's where Louisiana Tech saw my value. And so I kind of got more reps. I got to settle into my own. I got in a little groove that way. And so um, I kind of just got to pitch and do my thing. So that's that's what they liked about it. With your time at Louisiana Tech, weren't you mostly a reliever? So the first and so it, it kind of reset from there. Um, I went back to the relief role, but I was more of a long reliever. So my, my first year in college, I was, I was the closer my first year. And so that was kind of a new role for me. Um, I was competing for a starting job. It was looking like I could be the Tuesday guy or the Sunday guy at Louisiana Tech my first year and some older guys beat me out. And so they kind of moved me to the long relief role. Um, and so that was a little more comfortable for me so I can work through a lineup once or twice so I'd say the long relief role was um, the best fit away from the rotation and then once I moved into my fifth year my senior year I ended up getting shifted into um, the starters role kind of once conference came around and 
again, I kind of, I kind of had to, I had to talk my coaches into moving me in the rotation because I knew I was better as a starter. Um, I begged, I begged and I begged them to have me start, but they wanted to have me a long reliever and it kind of forced their hand and they finally moved me. And that's when things took off. Yeah. Cause looking at your, uh, 2017 Louisiana tech stats, you had nine games started. So you were in 22 games, nine games started and eight saves. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly. Yeah. So it was like, what is that eighth save? You're like, I'm over this coach. Uh, put me, put me on the bump to start and just kept pestering so, or what? So my, my fifth year, we got a new coach lane Burroughs. He's still there right now. And um, first day on campus, I walked into his office and I had a really good relationship from the previous year with our pitching coach, Christian Ostrander. So I told coach Oz, I said, Hey, I want to come in and talk to you and coach Burroughs. And I told him straight up, I was like, I want to start. I want to be the Friday night guy. And they both kind of chuckled and they're like, that, that can't happen. Like you have to be the long relief guy. Like that's your role. They said no. And I kept hammering it home all fall. I just kept saying, I need to start. I need to start. I need to start. And so they push back, they push back. But I told him, I was like, I'm going to do whatever you need me to do. Just know that I'm better as a starter. And so I ended up, I ended up relieving. I was doing the long relief. I was doing three innings. I was bridging to our closer early in the year. Then I got shifted into long inning saves, kind of like three inning saves. And then I got shifted into a, just this, just the closer. And I was closing multiple games during the week. And then it finally got to a point where we were really struggling with our Friday and Saturday guy. And I was closing on Friday night and starting on Sunday. And so it got to a point to where they were like, okay, we're just going to let you settle in as a starter. Senior year was a whirlwind. I literally had every role you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So, how do you, how do you approach that mentally? I mean, yeah, I was, I was just going to ask that. It's really great, you know, having a defined role and being able to focus yeah. on that all year, but guys struggle just with that. And then you bouncing in between roles during the season. That's, that's a lot on the mental, ain't it? Yes. Yeah. Looking back on it now. Yeah. Um, I think I was just kind of unaware of like, like I, I knew what I was working for and I just wanted to bring value to the team. Um, I just wanted to be on the mound as much as possible, honestly. And so I think with having that many roles and being able to fill, cover that many innings, like I was, I was achieving what I was wanting to do. And I was just be on the mound as much as I possibly could. Yeah. Do you, so you were doing that as a 21, 22 year old, would you have seen yourself doing that pestering as 17, 18 year old, like, yo coach, I'm here. Do you no, because because when I was 17 and 18 and I was I was in at Hill, I was struggling like I didn't I was I really had to work just to get to that back and roll in, in Juco. And so like my, my first year at Juco was a dogfight. It was a complete dogfight and it was a grind of a fall and getting red shirted like I knew it was the best thing for me. I knew I needed a lot more work. And so. Looking, if, if you would have told me I would have done what I did my senior year, five years later, I, that, yeah, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have believed you. It is pretty crazy. Like the grind, yeah. redshirt to Juco and then to, I mean, 231 ERA in your time at Louisiana Tech your senior year. It's, yeah. that's, is that normal? Like that's not a normal progression, is it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say. <laughs> I wouldn't say that too many redshirt freshmen ended up going on to have that kind of, I'd say it's, it's pretty uncommon, but I mean, like 
I grinded it out. I, I worked my tail off and, and, and honestly, I'm going to give a lot of credit to my pitching coach that was there at the time. Coach Oz, he was the first guy to really point out how good my slider was. Um, and with him, he was calling pitches. He called a great game for me. We were, we were 60 to 70% slider when I was at, even as a starter. I mean, I was hammering the slider. So I I think I was trying to just be your traditional pitcher of, you know, 70% fastballs, throw the slider off of it. Hopefully we're going to change up. I had a kind of an okay curveball, but he kind of took, he he made me specifically a sinker slider guy and we hammered the slider. So a lot of it was just getting with him and him calling my game. That, yeah, that takes a lot. And having trust in a coach means yeah. a lot. Like I coached James for a season. I don't know if he trusted me enough <laughs> to do that yeah. kind of stuff. I refused to call yeah. games. Like it was Legion ball. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had my little brother catching. <laughs> and I was like, you call the game, you know, yeah. better than I do. Um, but th- having that connection with that coach does help going. Through, yeah, for, through. Sure. Uh, for sure. For sure definitely gets you through those long days. And speaking of Juco days, I've been going to a few CC games up here, a few D2, D3 schools up here, playing ball yeah. in, in Michigan, which is just cold as can get out. It's terrible. Baseball weather, it's terrible. But these guys are grinding three, four-hour games, and then they play one directly after it. And Yeah, every game is a double I don't know how they do every it. Game- yeah, every game's a doubleheader. We played we played Wednesday doubleheaders and Saturday doubleheaders. Sometimes we would we would get a game, a single game in on Monday. So we were getting five, sometimes six games a week. Yeah, it's the record. It's one one school has is like thirty and twenty on the season. Yeah, just and yeah. they haven't they haven't played more than five ten home games. It seems like that grind exactly. at that JUCO level. You really have to love that game that you're doing yeah. to do that. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So. You got drafted. Was that kind of a, I expected it was the 21st round, what you were expecting? Walk us through that. So, so, so going into my senior year, going into the fifth year, I was fully prepared for that to be my last year of baseball. When I went in and talked to my coaches, I was also talking to set up for me to come back and do the GA job. I was ready to hop into coaching. I had never talked to a scout. I never got a questionnaire. I never even got like a, Hey, what's up? You know, like great game. Like I never, I never had that. Um, so we got through about halfway, halfway through season. Okay. So we're a few weeks in the conference and we were playing rice down in Houston. Um, and this is my second start. So the previous week I had started for the first time. They finally moved me in the rotation and I went complete game CG. Um, and I, th- I threw a shutout. And so we went into the next week and I was back in the rotation. And on Friday night, I got a save. Saturday, uh, Sunday, I came back and I threw another complete game shutout. And after that game, I got my first text from the Yankee scout. And that was the first time I ever talked to a scout. And this is with, this is with two months left the season of my fifth year. Um, and that's when things were kind of speeding up. I was, I was getting some attention for the numbers I was putting up, you know? And so throughout the, throughout that last half of the year, I started getting questionnaires and I started talking to some scouts and stuff, but 
I was real like I kept you can ask my buddies this I kept telling myself like it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen I was honestly just kind of I didn't want to be let down you know I didn't want to be I was I was super excited to finally talk to a scout you know all my buddies have been doing it all throughout their four years and I always felt kind of left out with that um so I kept telling myself like it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen and when the moment finally happened, like it was, it was a rush. I mean, it was, it was a big moment. Like I never, I never expected it. I, I, I always wanted it, but I never expected it just because it never attracted any attention. Yeah. Those complete games, shutties will kind of get some attention, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, there goes a tent. Um, sorry about that. You're good. Uh, so how relieved were you that the Yankees didn't pursue you a little bit more? Because Yankees suck. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah i actually grew up in a red Sox household so i dad might have disowned me if i would have taken that but uh <laughs> but no, like honestly when it happened it was like for that to be the first team that was like overwhelming in itself you know yeah that's pretty cool yeah. so then how did yeah. the rocks come around i i never i never talked to the rocks throughout the year i actually didn't talk to um zach zuli the guy who drafted me until my very after my last start of the year um, he kind of told me he was, he was watching in the shadows. He was keeping up, you know, um, he wanted, he wanted just to, to watch, to, to watch and talk to me finally right before the draft. And we ended up having a great relationship. So he was, he was watching. I didn't know it. I never got a questionnaire from the rocks, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad he did. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You're, you're yeah. mentioning a questionnaire. That's new to me. What is yeah. on a questionnaire? Man. It is a packet. It is, it is a big packet. It's pretty much any question you can think of from a medical standpoint, any sort of injury you had back in when you were four or five, anything, any kind of surgery, any kind of sickness. Um, it's almost kind of like when you go to a doctor's office and you got to fill out all the paperwork for the first time. Um, they'll also give you some questions on like, like a bunch of rankings like how do you feel about this how do you feel about this and like strongly not strongly neutral you know like stuff like that yeah. um they'll kind of figure out your character every team has their own set of questions um it kind of varies but it's it's a lot like they they want to get to know you through that packet yeah especially if you have a bunch of teams contacting you i mean that's that's some serious homework in and of itself yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, they're looking at so many guys, they don't have time to sit down with every guy, um, talk on the phone with every single guy. I mean, they got to put their reports in, they got to figure out what guys they like. And so, I mean, it's, it's good to like get guys in the system that way through that. So. So then the transition when you were drafted, was it just, you just got a phone call and you're like, Hey, we took you in the 21st. You need to. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, what was the step funny after? story is we were tracking we were tracking the draft and I was a day three guy um and so I woke up early because the draft start and I think it starts at like eight or nine o'clock because they got to cover 20 some rounds it's different now this is when it was 40 round draft and so um, I got up early and I'm waiting I'm just waiting on my phone all day you know and my dad calls me and uh, he goes hey congrats like what are you talking about he goes you just got picked up <laughs> And so there's like, you've seen draft tracker online. Um, I got picked before the rocks called me and I was like, Oh dad, I got to go. I'm getting a phone call. Like, like, so my dad kind of broke the news to me beforehand. I ended up getting the call and I, I wish I could tell you what happened. I completely blacked out. Um, mom was sitting there in front of me crying. Dad was at work. He came home. So 
uh, I was, I was overwhelmed to say the least. I was very overwhelmed. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Just, yeah. you just got drafted and you had no idea. That's, I feel like there would be a better system. Like if they can send out a million question questionnaires, why can't they yeah. let you know that you are drafted before your name shows up <laughs> on a, on a TV screen? Yeah. I know once you get to those later rounds, the timing changes. So you got to put the pick in quick. And I'm sure right when it happened, it just, it just so happened that my dad was looking at the tracker at the right time. He probably just hit it right at the right moment. So <laughs> it was, it was meant yeah. to be that way. Yeah. So then what happened, you know, right after that then? So now you're drafted. What's it like them welcome you into the organization? I mean, what's the communication like? Anything? Yeah. So, um, Jesse Sender with the Colorado Rockies covers all that stuff with guys in the draft. He gives you all the info that you need. He tells you everything you need to do. There's a lot of paperwork in the beginning, but um, I got on the phone with him and he's like, you're going to Boise, Idaho. So I got, he was like, you got to be in Boise in five days. Here's your plane ticket. This is what you need to bring. You need to get your passport because that league, we go to Vancouver. Um, so I quickly had to run down, grab my passport. I didn't, I didn't have a passport at that time. I had to get it shipped pretty fast. Um, I, pretty much packed my whole life up, got on a plane and, and went to go play baseball in the Northwest where I never had been before. And then you never really unpacked for the next four years or. Yeah. 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 You, you really, minor league <laughs> baseball is about living life in a suitcase. So. Yeah. I, on your pod, you talk a little bit about those bus trips. Oh, it, how, so you got experience before the whole minor league readjustment, right? Yeah, yeah. So last year when you were playing in Hartford, could uh -huh. was it that much nicer than oh, like the travel schedule a, and stuff? It was a breeze. I, I got to I got to go everywhere in my own car, the car that I'm in right now. I got I got to drive. So um, they they give the older guys some luxuries once they kind of trust you a little bit. No, you're not going to be just an 18 year old kid driving 100 miles an hour to the game, you know, like stuff like that. So. So just the, the trend, like Boise, Boise is there's, it's rookie ball. There's no roster limit. You got 40 to 45 guys on that bus. And so you're doubled up. You got somebody sitting next to you. You got guys on the floor. You have eight hour bus rides because that league goes anywhere from um, Western Idaho up to Vancouver in Canada. And so the closest trip, there's one trip that's four hours. Everything is at least eight hours at league. Everything in the Easter league for Hartford is like, four or five hours you might have one where you got to go to go go down to richmond and it's seven hours but i mean like when we've been doing it that long like seven hours is nothing but um but yeah i was able to to drive my car and i was able to ride in the luxury of my own space you know so yeah that's i didn't i didn't realize that was even an option i just assume you yeah. all got on the bus all right schedule time Game's over. We're all hopping on the bus. We're going through the night. Yeah. We'll get into our next destination in the morning and then see you at uh, practice at whatever noon or whatever. The, the majority of guys ride the bus because guys don't have cars like some guys do. And like they'll, you have to sign a waiver and stuff like that. So but I mean, the majority that is that is how it goes most of the time. Most of the time you ride the bus. That's that's new. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're. I did, we're talking about it. What was like the living situations at each of these spots? So rookie ball, I'm assuming you had a host family. Was that? Yeah, I had an, I had an awesome, threw up? No. So I, I had an awesome host family in, um, in Boise. 
Miss Tracy and her two sons, like they were awesome. Mm -hmm. She had two sons who played baseball, so they were always around. They had an awesome dog. Uh, I lived with LJ Hatch. Um, he's in AAA with the Rocks. He's been he's been my like spring training roommate for every year of spring training. Um, so then we went to Asheville, and we had awesome. They didn't. They had one host family. Um, I lived in an apartment with Nick Kennedy, Brett Boswell, Sean Bouchard. That we had an awesome apartment. We Asheville is a is an awesome town. I'm sure That's you've heard nice. us talk about that. I'm sure you heard us talk about that in our podcast. Like that's our favorite city we've lived in. Um, and then I had another host family, Lancaster. They offered host families. Another great family, the Kinneys. Um, they they host like three guys a year. So they are all about taking care of guys. That's what their passion is. And they do an awesome job. And then we went to Hartford where there are no host families again. And we had to get um, an apartment. And actually it was, it was called Sage Allen. It was two blocks down from the field and there were a bunch of townhomes and they were going to tear these townhomes down um, like right at the beginning of season. And we showed up because I'm sure you've heard like they put out lists at the end of spring training like, OK, you have like five days to find a place to live. And so everybody's scrambling. And so we called this this complex. We say, hey, we, we heard that guys have lived here in the past. Like, do you have any spaces? They're like, yeah, we were literally about to tear it down in a month, but we'll push back construction if you guys are coming in. And so wow. we moved tw we moved 23 guys in and in into five townhomes. And so it was literally five townhomes. The whole team was there basically. And we pretty much had the play store itself. Like they would, didn't, they, they didn't have anybody down with us. So we had our own space. It was awesome. That's wild. Dude, dude it was, it was really, it was really, it was kind of college dorm roomy. It wasn't, it wasn't like Asheville and it wasn't super nice, but the fact that we could all be there together and kind of walk, walk home in a group, show up to the field every day. Like we, we did everything within walking distance. And so it was, it was really good. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And that, and that definitely builds up camaraderie and friendships. And oh yeah. You are together literally all the time, but yeah. I miss those days in college living with my roommates yeah. and just literally just coming home and hanging out and then, all right, <laughs> let's repeat tomorrow. Dude. And, it's got to be cool, like doing as a professional ball player and doing with your your guys, too. That'd be that'd be fun. Being retired like that's looking back on it. That is what I miss so much right now. I, I like I, I miss competing. I miss playing, but I miss my buddies. You know, like I literally I was with them for five, six months out of the year, you know, and like every literally every day, five, six months out of the year, every single day. So it's like you just get so close and especially like our draft class staying together through 17 for the most part, like, like I was with Nick Kennedy, um, Sean Bouchard, Matt McLaughlin, just to name a few guys. Uh, I mean, there's a handful of others. Um, and I'm like, we came up every year together, you know? And so like mm -hmm. you just, you get, you get really close with, with certain people. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your career. So you just mentioned Boise, Nashville, Lancaster, Hartford. A uh, lot of ups and downs, it looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I guess, walk us through, does that change per season? Is it the feel? Is it the competition? Is it just you trying to figure it out as you're on the fly? You know, every, every year you learn a little bit more and more about yourself. Um, Asheville, Asheville was like, it was a slow start, but I really came into my own. I kind of, I really learned how to attack professional hitters. Um, Lancaster is a whole different model because 
I'm sure you've heard stories about that. It's, it's 20 miles an hour, 20 mile an hour winds out on average every single day. Um, You, you learn how to pitch to your surroundings. You get to Hartford and guys are a lot more polished for, I mean, for me, there was a big, there was a big learning curve going to Hartford. I mean, the velocity really exposed me being 88, 89, sometimes 87, you know, with the slider Um, guys at that level, really 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 good and so if I miss with my velocity it gets hit and and I'm sure we've talked about this that's a big piece why I had to convert to being a knuckleballer like I had to find a way to get guys out I had to find a way to to be different so yeah every year you just learn more and more about yourself and how you attack hitters you learn more about your stuff technology has grown every year we've come through pro ball so there's a lot more analytics and you kind of figure out like why is this pitch getting hit? Why am I having success with this pitch? So yeah, there's, it's just, it's a lot of learning year to year. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the the knuckleball transition there. What yeah. was that like? And um, kind of walk us through what, what that was like for you. Yeah. Yeah. So Hartford, <laughs> like I said, Hartford was a struggle. Um, I really struggled for the first two months to, to get outs. I wasn't getting in good counts. I was pitching from behind. Um, I was getting, I was getting hit around. And so we're out on the field at Dunkin' Donuts in Hartford one day. And, um, I want to say this is, it's middle of June, um, middle of June. And so I, we're getting ready for a game. We're doing all of our pregame stuff and we need to do team defense as we do every single day. And we all get up in the infield and I got there a little sooner. Guys were still warming up and I'm sitting there with Max George and I've always had a knuckleball in my back pocket. I threw it when I was like, 13, 14 years old, and I've always messed around with it. So me and him were playing catch, and Krista Norfia, the AA manager who had 10 years in the show, um, saw it. He, he, we looked it up. He has like 50 ABs against Ari Dickey, and he saw me throwing, he saw me throwing on and joking. He's like, hey, hop, hop up on the mound, because we were just waiting for everybody to get up. And so I threw a couple off the mound. Max is kind of – he's struggling to catch them. They're pretty good. Um, and he kind of looks at me. He nods his head and just walks off, and I'm like, Damn, that was weird. Okay. Didn't really think anything of it. So then my pitching coach comes up to me the following day and this is Frank Gonzalez. And he, he like, he's like, Hey, what the heck? I'm like, what? Hey, what's up? And he goes, how come I got to find out through our pit, our, our, our manager that you have a knuckleball? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like joking. He was trying to, he was, he was just messing with me, but he was like, no, seriously though. Like I want to see his knuckleball. I heard it's good. And in my mind, I'm like, this is like, what are we doing? Like, why are we, why are we even talking about this? And so he sets it up. We, we end up, this is right when we were going to Reading, Pennsylvania. And he was like, Hey, you're getting off the mound today. You're throwing a knuckleball. I was like, okay, whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm no part of me is thinking we're getting converted to a knuckleball. I'm, I'm thinking like, this is just for fun. Like, Oh, Nate's struggling. Let's loosen him up a little bit, you know? And I, I get off the mound and I'm loose and I'm throwing the knuckleball and it's, it was nasty. It was really good. I turned around like the whole team's behind me watching. Um, and Dino's standing there too and he's watching and I see him immediately get on the phone like what is going on the next day comes around like hey you need to get off the mound throw me 10 15 more we need to record it and send it to the front office and I'm like this is insane like what what is happening and so I throw some good ones then it just so happened it just so happened to line up that our pitching coordinator had scheduled a time to come in he's like hey I want to see the knuckleball let's see it and so I throw it for him and he's like okay let's let's get a live BP and it just kept snowballing, speeding up, and I'm throwing it in a live BP when we get back to Hartford, and I'm facing a Willie Abreu was the first guy I ever throw it to. The first one I threw, swing and a miss, it was pretty good. And so 
it finally got to a point after that live BP, they're like, okay, let's throw it in a game. And I, I look up and I'm like, it's been two weeks. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm, I'm in double A. I've never thrown a knuckleball. And you want me to throw a knuckleball in double A? Like, I'm cool for it, but how did we get here? You know? So it just so had like things just really lined up for this to happen. And so someone went down. I ended up getting a spot start on the 4th of July. And so they're like, okay, this is the day. Let's throw the knuckleball. But they set some some guidelines. They're like only throwing an advantage account, only throw it 01, 02, you know, where we can't get hurt, no one on base. And so I ended up throwing it. I threw the knuckleball 15 times in that game for four innings. And I struck out eight. Like I hadn't been getting strikeout numbers like that all year. And so I remember walking in after that fourth inning and my spots are, and they're like, okay, let's, it's, we got to sell out and do this. And our coordinator pulled me aside. He was like, look, like he goes, I care about you. He said, I love you. What we're doing right now is not going to work. He's like, I'm going to be straight up. I'm going to be honest with you. Your stuff right now just simply is not going to work. And I always kind of knew that. And so I was like, okay, like if we're going to do this, I'm 27, let's sell out, let's go for it. And so I went through the rest of the year learning how to be a converted knuckleballer. And it was, it was a test. It was a big test. There were a lot of ups, a lot of downs. I really struggled with it but I'm glad I did it. I, I did something to set myself apart and make me different, you know? Yeah. That was, sorry. That was the long, that was the long winded answer. <laughs> no, that was perfect. I mean, that's, yeah. that is truly an, a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And I met some awesome people there. I got to talk to Charlie Huff, who's like fifth all time in wins. I got a good relationship with him. I got to talk to Ari Dickey. I got to talk to Stephen Wright. Um, Tom Candiotti came out to spring training and, and I got to throw a bullpen with him one day. Like I got to do some things that a lot of people haven't been able to do. And like it, man, it was a blast getting to know those guys and just doing something that's like such a small amount of people have done in the big leagues, you know, like there have only been, I can't give you the exact number, but it's less than a hundred, uh, knuckleballers in the big leagues, you know? And so the fact that I even got a shot at doing it and competing in double A with a knuckleball and getting a start like that, it was, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that is fun. It's really yeah. funny, you know, going from junior college, grinding it to, uh, you know, potentially, um, you know, double A knuckleballer. That's obviously a transition. Yeah, what a trip. You want to bet anything on. It was yeah, man, L looking back on my career, it's it's crazy. And like you said, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, looking like when you say it like that, thinking back to Juco and thinking where I finished up, it's crazy to think I never really thought about it that way. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. And your story is a lot more successful than James's knuckleball story, because he tried <laughs> to do that when I tried to coach him. I was like, no, yeah. no. We ain't doing that. Yeah, yeah. It, man, it's, it's hard. You got a time. Go ahead. No, yeah, it's just um, my experience was I just played high school ball. I was never near good enough to even flirt with JUCO ball, but yeah, tried to throw a knuckleball in a conference game just to give us. A, I mean, we're dead last in the conference or in the district. And like we're just trying to mess around <laughs> and do something to yeah. squeak out any type of thing. Yeah, try to throw a knuckleball. Exactly. Well. <laughs> and I think you know you look at my numbers and it looks like I, sh I really struggled. I really struggled. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. I literally have no idea where this pitch is going. I have no idea. It could, it could have no spin and it can go right down the middle and not move at all. 
or it could have a little spin and it could be dancing. Like I have no, I have no feel for it yet. Like I haven't thrown this thing seriously since I was like 13 years old. And so because I was a low velocity guy beforehand, I, I had to, I had to prioritize command over everything. And so it was, it was hard on me mentally yeah. to throw a pitch that I didn't know where it was going, but there was the, like, I talked to my pitching coach and like, there's the development side, like you got to throw it to, to gain feel for it. And so it was hard for me to stick with it and throw it when it's like two Oh with a guy on first, you know, but those are the moments where they want me to throw it. And so it was hard going from like seven walks in Asheville to 30, 40, what, how many ever walks I had in Hartford, I was walking the house with the knuckleball. So, um, but yeah, that, that was a really hard transition for me, like pride wise, you know? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. How bad. Yeah. I mean, how, you're told your entire life that walking somebody is bad. <laughs> is exactly. the biggest no, no that you can have. Exactly. Exactly and you're asking me to do this right how mad was max george that he had to be your knuckleball catcher max max got to a point where uh before he like, like I, he's got to get reps too of, of learning me and learn how it's going to move he was like he was turning sideways at certain points so he can make his body as thin as possible <laughs> <laughs> not in a game not in a game that's in the bullpen so yeah that's that's awesome that's yeah. fun i like that um so i mean then spring training come and let's let's yeah. bring it down a little bit i guess what was that moment like at that that phone call uh, at spring training so it, it was in person so what happens is is when and what, what we're talking about is is me getting released by the rocks and me deciding not to pursue any other teams and and no you're good and not pursuing anything else and kind of decided to hang it up so um yeah I had a rough camp I uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself I really tried being perfect and I yeah stressed myself out a lot um so I was I was struggling in camp and it ends up getting to the end of camp where you know cuts are coming like cuts have to happen there's a ton of minor leaguers, but there's a certain, I want to say it's like 180 minor leaguers in your organization or something like that. And so we were over that threshold and some guys kind of got to re get released. And so I was walking in, um, we're in the locker room. And if a coach ever comes into the locker room and says, Hey, we need to come talk to the office. You kind of know what's going on. And so I remember hearing that I'm like, okay, like, here we go. And so, uh, I ended up sitting down with Chris Forbes, our, our farm director and, and he spoke, he said some really awesome things about me, you know, like I've, I've had great relationships with everybody in the rocks and he just shot me straight. He was like, look, like it's, it's not really progressing. You're 27. We're getting to that point and we're, we got to let you go. And I was, I fully respected it. I was so glad that they told me then instead of riding it out throughout, throughout the year, you know, and grinding it mm -hmm. out that way. So it was, it was bittersweet. It was, it was hard. Um, there were tears involved. You know, I, I knew, I knew it was like, I knew I wasn't going to pursue it anymore. I was, I was mentally exhausted. And so, but he said some awesome things about my character and just the, the relationship that we've created. Um, every single one of our coordinators walked up and told me personally, if I ever needed anything, if they know that I want to pursue a job in collegiate coaching, they all know that about me. So they said, if I ever needed a reference that they would speak for me. So, um, it was, it was, it was a bittersweet goodbye. It was, it was really it was good. And so right afterwards, I, I took a few days to think about it, to really think over my decision, but I knew I was like, it's time to, to kind of move on. I'm getting married in October. So the timing was honestly right. 
Yeah, well, congrats on the, the marriage coming up. Um, Appreciate it. Aaron, I'll let you take over the dog's bark. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> dog's name story. Just yeah. right. Uh, being loud about it. But I mean, you you're very open about your the mental side of the game, like in your, in yeah. your bullpen talks, I really appreciated your conversation with Snyder about like you guys grinding it out that one night in the locker room and that yeah, there is that mental, that there's that mental toll with it. And if it just keeps happening and you kind of hit, everybody has a breaking point. Like I'm almost there with yeah. my professional career, my day job. Like I'm almost to that point where, all right, it's just stressy. It's stressing. I love it. Yeah. I'm good at it. It's fun, but there's all these other factors that, you know, grind and kind of yeah. take that toll. And at a certain point you found yours, like, all right, so we're just kind of moving on. Yeah. Everybody's different, man. Some guys are really good about like suppressing and like just holding it in and staying even keeled. Like, and, and those are the guys you see succeed and get to the big leagues. The guys that can not ride the highs too high and the lows too low, they stay right in the middle. Those are the guys you see get to the show. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'll be honest with you. I'm a guy that wears my emotions on my sleeve. I ride the highs high and I ride the lows low. You know, any one of my buddies can tell you that about me. And that's, that's just how I am. And it's something I worked for in my career. Um, at the moment I, I, I give pitching lessons and I, I work a lot with younger kids and it's something that I really try to get them to understand so that they don't have to go through the same thing. And so, um, yeah, you, like I, I hit my breaking point with the knuckleball. It was completely, completely different than anything I did with my sinker slider. You know, that was years and years and years of gaining feel and trust. And so like to completely change something up like that, it was it was it was exhausting. But I, like I said, I would never I would never change how the last year went. And so I, I had a blast doing it. Yeah, like the if you are going to go out right you at least had that yeah. experience that cool unique experience yeah. like you said nobody else is really going through that with it so yeah. i mean was it so you mentioned it a little bit but was it difficult for you to hang up the cleats so to speak like like you kind of said it, you knew it but yeah uh honestly not really like when so this what happened when 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 they gave me the news when they called me in the office and they told me I felt a sense of relief and I was like, okay, the fact that I'm feeling relieved means it's time. Like, mm -hmm. I, like that right there told me like, okay, like I, I feel relieved. Like, yeah, it, it's time. It's, it's time to hang it up. So. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that. Cause I mean, just briefly having that conversation, I could, I could tell that that was, that was a lot of weight off your shoulders. I mean, not having to yeah. deal with not having to deal with that anymore was somewhat of a relief, even though you knew it was, you know, you had to transition into something else. So now yeah. you're doing pitching lessons, which is awesome. What else, are you doing anything else? I mean, what's going to happen from here? Yeah. So like I said earlier, my goal is to get into collegiate coaching. And so I have a really good relationship with my coaches at Louisiana tech and um, we've, I've always talked about coming back. And so that's where me and my, I'm in San Antonio my fiance and I, after we get married, we're moving back to Louisiana, back to the Reston area where, um, where Louisiana tech is. And I thought about coaching there. I thought about maybe getting involved with the, um, the athletic department, um, stuff like that. It's still, it's still pretty early. I'm still trying to like life sped up on me pretty fast. So I'm still trying to figure out what the route is. My goal really is to be a collegiate pitching coach. Like that's, that's my passion. Um, 
I, I, as you, I'm sure you guys know this, but like pretty much every baseball player in the off season when we need to work, like does lessons just because no one's going to hire anybody for four or five months before they leave again for another five, six, um, whatever it is. So, um, yeah. So in the meantime, cause I know I'm only going to be home for through the summer, I've hopped back into lessons. I'm trying to stay as busy as possible, working with kids and we're getting summer programs ready. And then once that happens, uh, like I said, I'm hoping to transition it to the collegiate level. So. Why collegiate? Why not professional? The, man, so for me, there's nothing that gets more other than like the big leagues, but like there's something about college that takes competition to a whole new level, you know, in pro ball, everyone's trying to make it to the big leagues. You know, you, it, it is, it is like, it has to be a selfish game to an extent. Like we we're all focused on like progressing ourselves and developing and stuff like that. Like winning is awesome, but like, I mean, we're really focused on developing ourselves to become a big league pitcher or a big league hitter, you know? And so college is just, it's gritty. It's, it's like a bunch of young guys, just, they got one goal to get to the college world series. And so, um, it's just, it's different. I don't know how to explain it. You kind of get what I'm saying? It's, it's just I, I do get it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, with the lockout, I dabbled into the collegiate ball life a yeah. little bit, just watching it. I really dove into the Grand Rapids college ball this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to make as many games as I could and following along and trying to, you know, just keep in the know. And the game is yeah. just different. It's, it there's, is. They're yeah. battles, they're long battles. There's emotions on the sleeves, emotions it's everywhere. It's emotional. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's a good product. It's fun to watch. And then being involved with it sounds incredible. We talked to Zach Kikoska, um, draft pick from last year with Fresno. And he was mentioning just his time at Kansas state and going head to head with TCU and like a three game, four game series and getting a walk off, but how the bad blood between the two teams really drove that, you know, that athleticism and just, brings a different side of you out and yeah it's when you're playing with passion as kind of kind of what you alluded to earlier right like when you're playing with passion as a career it, yeah it's a little bit different and so it's it's fun like I I'm picking up what you're throwing down yeah I mean like my my junior year at Louisiana Tech we were so we had we had cleared house we brought in new coaches we brought in 24 junior college transfers we were a completely new team the previous year Tech was horrible we were picked to finish 11th out of 12th in conference USA. And we all kind of pulled together because of how bad people expected us to be. And we ended up making the NCAA tournament, making it to the regional championship game um, against Mississippi state. Like, I mean, it's just, it's stories like that, like really pulling together for one thing, which is winning. Um, and it just, it's a different, yeah, you you hit it right on the head. It's a different game. To me, to me, it seems like the college game, every game matters from a team perspective, where in Bingo. or minor league, every game matters from an individual perspective. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's something too, like college games, 50 games. I mean, you have 140 games in pro ball. And so like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely different that way. Yeah. That's cool. I, I mean, it's going to be fun watching you do that grind now kind of yeah put that out there and see what comes of that so that's pretty cool you just mentioned you played mississippi state in the regionals so do you did you ever meet hunter stobel 
I love Stovall. That 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 is that is a like man. He love- is a fun ball player to watch. Yeah, he is. He is scrappy, and he's he's one yeah. of our guys. Are wants to watch, and he's a fun conversation. Yeah. But he was on that Mississippi State team. Did you, like? Yeah, I faced. That's him. crazy. I, I, he was. I ended up. Uh, so we we played him. Um, my junior year in the regional, I, I didn't play. I didn't pitch in that game. I threw the previous game the day before. But then we went back to Mississippi State my senior year. And I got the save against Mississippi State. I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys I faced. I'm I'm almost positive. Struck him out. I don't think so. I, I think he had a ground <laughs> ball. I can't remember. I can't remember. No one stole. He probably he probably grounded out. He he probably made contact. <laughs> <laughs> you know he was Dude, that great. That, There's right, no so way it was fun to face him. Yeah. So I was in the double A group again for Hartford, and and Snowball was there, and that was the first time I really got to experience him playing, and so that guy hits everything hard and he makes every play in the field, every mm-hmm. single play. And so like that dude needs a lot more attention, and a lot more love because he, he is one of the like fun guy to watch. Yeah. We're trying to, he's one of our guys we are trying to put out there a little bit more often. Cause we are big yeah. Stoby fans. It's, he's a, just a good dude, genuine dude. Um, I got, yeah, um, love sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. I got Mike, um, our intern on the uh, box score from that Mississippi oh. State game. Um, Nate Harris came in for Harrison in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Hunter Stovall grounded out um, to the catcher. Um, it looks like he tried to bunt for a hit, maybe. Oh, you're right. Someone did. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, you struck out the next guy swinging and then uh, grounded out to shortstop. That's a good appearance. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Sorry about the beeping from the car. No, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we could be here all night. I think we should definitely make this happen again. Um, I We always end with our fun questions. So let's end it with these. I did some digging, did some Google searching on you. And I have to ask, were you in the Little League World Series? I mean, there's this weird article. I don't know. A really I was part of a really good Little League team. We made it to state. Um, we lost to a team that got second in the Little League World Series. So that might be it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I thought I had to ask that. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll move past that. Your girlfriend, fiance, is a dentist. My yeah. wife yeah. Is, is a dentist. So we have that in common. You get the grind, yeah. Yeah, I need a dentist. Literally. So. Yeah. <laughs> Full yeah. circle. Uh, yeah. How much useless information about the mouth have you learned in your time with your fiance girlfriend? I've, I've made it a point. Like, Anna, Anna played softball. She she gets the game pretty well. So I've always tried to give her, like, extra little nuances. She always gets me. She's like, I played softball. I know what you're talking about. And so I try to make it to a point to where I remember some things dental-wise. Um, I know there's five classes of cavities. Um, I could I could wrap off the I could I could shoot off all the lingo, but I I, how, I don't know. How, how do the know. numbers go? How do the numbers of teeth go in the mouth? Oh, numbers of teeth. So they go. So it's one to thirty-two. You start at the top right, work to the top left. Yep. Then it goes down to the bottom left, work into the bottom right. That's the one I always try to remember. And then yeah. <laughs> that's always the good one. And then periodontal disease. My wife hates it. Like the, she, I think the thing that 
I think the thing that Anna's hit just beat into my head is that if I don't floss, I'm going to get gingivitis and lose all my teeth. That's, that's what she tries to hammer home to me. So <laughs> yes. Do you floss? Yeah. Cause I am not a good husband with flossing. I I'll have my spurts. I'll floss for like three nights in a row. Then I'll forget for like two weeks. So yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely floss more than I did before Anna. So <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was fun. What, uh, what was your go-to meal on, pitch start days for you when you were starting dude i got i got the pregame jitters a little bit i i wouldn't get super hungry um you're kind of limited to what is in the clubhouse you know and so and we, we always had so i guess i uh when i knew i was starting would be when i started in hartford and so because i relieved all the other times so uh, we had a really good club. His name was Ari. He always had really, really good food, but I never wanted to eat a lot of it. I, I just wasn't hungry. I was so locked in and just ready to, to kind of get out there and jittery. Like I just wasn't super hungry. So I didn't eat a whole lot on those, on those start days. Okay. So let's go with, what was your road trip snack when you were traveling? <sighs> you know, being with Nick Kennedy all the time, you're kind of forced to just eat Chipotle over and over and over again. And he'll throw a fit if he doesn't get his Chipotle. So I'm really hoping he's listening to this because, you know, I, I chop him up for this all the time. Yeah. Being with him all the time for the last four or five years, Chipotle. <laughs> you, you still kind of enjoy it? No, I can't eat Chipotle anymore. I, I'm just, I'm numb to it. So just if he, it, it's just what you had in the car. <laughs> it's, it's what we had to. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's what it's, that's kind of what every, every pro ball guy kind of goes with. It's what's easy. It's in most towns. So. Yeah. Yeah. We've been getting one thing we did do in Hartford is we, one thing we did do in Hartford was we always, we really got into coffee. We got a little bit of a coffee club between me, Nick Kennedy, David Hill, Brian Gonzalez and Reagan Todd. We had a little coffee club. So Every time we went to, we, we shot in the group text of saying, hey, found this cough shop. Let's go hit it up. And, uh, yeah, that was a big staple for us in Hartford. That's fun. The coffee shops yeah. are always unique, too, so that's a fun little experience to do. We'd, all, we'd always try to get little stickers or something showing where we've been. So Yeah, that's awesome. That's fun. Yeah. All right, last question. Be selfish when you answer this. What's your favorite okay. baseball moment, baseball memory? From Little League to all the way to the end. I got I got two. I got a college one and a Pro Bowl one. So my collegiate one was in the regional tournament. Um, we were playing Cal State Fullerton. Uh, so we they do the rankings of like what's the toughest regional. And we got paired up in Mississippi State's regional, and that was ranked the toughest one. Mississippi State was fourth in the nation. Cal State Fullerton was if they led the nation in ERA. Uh, the four seed SEMO, Southeastern Missouri, led the nation in home runs. So it, it was tough. Um, that opening game, we played Cal State Fullerton, and there were lightning delays. It was raining, and we got pushed back super, super late. And I remember Philip Deal, who pitched with the Rocks yeah. and is now with the Cincinnati Reds, uh, started the opening game for us. He went to Louisiana Tech. He had a great start. He ended up getting taken out in the sixth, and I got put in with runners at second and third with one out. Um, and like I said, with all the delays, I didn't get into this game till like midnight. We played till like 1.30. And runners on second and third, it was a one to nothing game. And I got two punch outs to get us out of the inning. And I lost my mind. I freaked out, did the whole fist pump thing. That was, that was a really good moment for me. Um, and in pro ball, I think, so this is kind of sad that a hitting 
me at the me in the box is is the highlight of, <laughs> of my my favorite my favorite moment. I got a hit in Double A um, in Hartford, and so that was that was a an absolute rush. Yeah, I you had that clip on your your quote unquote goodbye posts on on your yeah. Instagram. Yeah. It was all the way at the end. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just straight up stance. When was the last time you picked up Damn, a map before that, man? I was trying to, I know I didn't do it well, but uh, there's inspiration between how I was standing. I was trying to, I was trying to stand like, I was trying to emulate uh, Taylor Snyder's batting stance. <laughs> it was very similar. <laughs> yeah. Super That's, upright, big leg kick. Yeah. yeah. Opposite field single. <laughs> it works. Do you have the ball? I slipped out of the, I, no, I wish I did. I slipped out of the box. So you can't see it on the film. I slipped out of the box because the right fielder was playing so shallow on me. I thought he was going to throw me out at first. So I was, I hit it. I felt good. I was like, Oh crap, I'm going to get thrown out. And so kind of fell out of the box a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Nate, thank but, you. Uh, other than, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 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 No. I was going to say that fourth, of, that fourth of July start. Now that I think about like pitching wise, if we're being serious, like that fourth of July start, my first knuckleball, that was like, that was, another really good moment so yeah I mean you could probably keep going down the list I feel I feel like if you you have to be able to remember everything if you're a ball player like the things yeah, you guys can really remember yeah it's it's the details with everything that you all remember it's it's incredible like how you guys are able to pull that out I will say I'm not as good. Guy like Lucas Gilbreth, he could tell you a start that he had in college. He could tell you a count and inning, and like he could tell you down to a T of what happened. Like, there's some crazy, crazy memory and knowledge for some of the guys with the rock. So, yeah, it's fun. Nate, yeah. thank you for hanging out, man. Um, of sorry course, we I took up your evening uh, a lot longer than we expected, no. but it was fun for us. No, I, 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 podcasts are a passion of mine. So I have fun anytime you guys want to have me on. And like I said, you're going to have to shut me up. So anytime you want to have me on. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do this again. Um, and just talk about everything. Yeah. Switch yeah. it up, man. Switch it up. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. We're down. Let's keep in touch. Cool. Keep doing cool things. And I uh, look forward to watching you grind on this coach coaching gig thing. For sure. Thanks, Nate. Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.